Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. To the Raw Review, I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Daily Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Money Now Row. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw but also SmackDown, NXT 2.0, oh. AEW Dynamite, AW Rampage. Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. What a great show this was. Nah, come on. WWE shows are bad enough and long enough that, yeah, I'm going to say the WWE match of the year can take place on a objectively horrific episode yeah. of that. That's where we're at at this point. The best WWE match of the year. Like, and I dare say that'll stick till WrestleMania at least. And even then, the way the card is looking, it looks more like it would be the occasion that would make for a great match rather than anything individually. And this was still atrocious. They were kind enough to um, give you it when you were perhaps your most alert and not deep into the second or third hour away. Uh, patience is starting to wear thin. <laughs> It was the best of times, it was the worst of times on WWE Raw last night. And even the great thing, there's still flaws with it. Like, is an actual end-to-end, bell-to-bell thing, match of the year in WWE, great. Still, I've still got loads of problems. That means I couldn't enjoy it that much, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, I've really enjoyed elements of this show, but I will admit... Edge turning himself blue <laughs> might have been a drop ball moment. And and, to, and and when I saw late yesterday that they'd announced the tag title match first, I was like, why are you doing that? Because we'd anticipate on the preview that this was the end of RK Bro and mm. I'd booked, you know, a sort of Gargano Champa-esque breakup to close the show effectively. And so I was a bit confused by it all. But in the end, the layout did make sense. Like you say, you started with a sensational match. Probably the best three-way tag title match I've seen in weeks. Um, <laughs> there he is. There he is. Such <laughs> knock. That's, uh, that's our Wilborn. And it made sense in terms of where it led to for the sort of surreal main event where the crowd heard the music and thought, oh my God, is he going to... No, he's not going to come out. You just said his name for the first time. Mm. But we'll get to that in due course. Um but yes, the usual, usual, I think, issues, it's fair to say, with Raw, where my memories are uh, of the opener, the sensational opener, and an exciting tease in the main event, 
And then some stuff in the middle, my brain's gone, you don't need to remember that because <laughs> we'll get to it though. And we have got a brilliant five-star review review coming a little bit later on. But we started with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins coming out and welcoming us to Monday Night Rollins, sort of. Um, and they said they're going to win the tag titles tonight. And they said, well, could you imagine if we weren't even at WrestleMania and Owens slagged off Texas again. And then because the audience are goldfish, they played clips from the last two weeks of them beating people, and then Owen said they were undeniable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alpha Academy interrupted, brilliantly now developed by the fact that they've got shoosh as part of their entrance theme. No no lie. Outside of Brock and Roman, the general development of this inexplicably quite good raw tag team roster, Alpha Academy Sting is the best thing that's happened on WWE television this year. <laughs> It's like, if you've not heard it, because I know a lot of people listen to this podcast without having to actually sit through the show <laughs> itself. Makes sense. Imagine the voice modulation of Bree Mode. Yes. Shush. <laughs> Shush, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's started absolutely inspired, man. Yeah. I, uh, Chad we- Gable is secretly, like, the funniest guy in the entire company. Not only is he doing his bit, he's absolutely pitched that. He's doing It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia references on television. This guy has been... <laughs> Like, pretty much secretly the funniest guy in the entire roster. And it only took them, what, six years? <laughs> a few weeks ago, I uh, complained a little bit. I think they were, they were a bit too heavy-handed with all the gableisms that we'd all been really enjoying. I retract all of that. Mm. Like, we get the T-shirt one week, and yet we get this theme the next. It's like, oh, no, it's back. It's all back. Like, it turns out that, like, WWE can over-egg the pudding, and the pudding still tastes great. <laughs> uh, he described the result from last week as erroneous and said that they will retain their tag titles tonight and go on to WrestleMania. Oh, thank you! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we are backstage with Riddle and Randy Orton. They're warming up, and they are joined by... Sorry, just check my notes here. Kevin Patrick! <laughs> uh, who asked them about it and uh, say, what words have you got tonight? And Riddle goes on his stoner rant and calls tonight tubular. Uh, and then... Uh, Randy says tonight is probably the most important night in their career and their stupendous journey. I think it was probably Ridley who probably said the stupendous part. Their stupendous journey won't end tonight. I know why you love this role so much. Because uh, Kevin Patrick was everywhere. He <laughs> <laughs> was in about 15 seconds yeah. tonight. It just hit me. Um, and then we got the match, which went, what, like half? And basically the whole first hour was taken up by this match. Oh, we're talking Alistair Black Apollo Crews stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went about half an hour, basically. Um, well, it's wor- it genuinely, it is worth going back and watching it if you haven't done so already. Uh, but Rollins early on takes out Gable and Riddle with a dive. Owens hits Gable with a senton for a near fall early on. Uh, we go to a break. We come back. Otis just takes over, splashes Riddle. But, oh, no, 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 he's not finished there. He picks him up. Halfway through making the pinfall. Uh, eventually, Orton gets a crazy hot tag. It happens. We thought maybe it was like an isolated thing. Like, what was it? Like, Saudi, I think he was incredibly over. And then a couple of towns yeah. uh, in the US. But now it's everywhere. Orton gets this mad hot tag. Comes in. Power slams Gable. Power slams Rollins. Drags, I think, Rollins in to hit them both with a dr- double draping DDT. Gable blocks an RKO, so he hits Rollins with one instead. Owens dives in to break up the cover. Uh, and then Orton backdrops Owens, then backdrops Gable onto the announce table. He can't get Otis up, but thankfully his partner Riddle is there to help him. They both drop Otis onto the table uh, to take us into another break. I love Otis. is like, what the bloody hell was that face? Uh, when we come back, Riddle hits Gable with a floating bro, but Owens again breaks it up. Gable 
hits Riddle with a moonsault, but Rollins breaks up that cover. Uh, and then there's a bit where Owens and Rollins are trying to superplex Gable, and in comes Otis to do a sort of Tower of Doom thing. Never makes sense, that, because your partner's at the top of that Tower of Doom to come down. So in theory, they're going to take the worst of it. But still, uh, that leads to a brawl, takes us to another break. Uh, as that's happening... Uh, Owens takes on everyone out with a dive. Uh, Rollins hits Riddle with the double foot stomp thing where he's really awkward and you have to hold yourself up. Alberto Del Rio's finisher thing. That gets him a two count. Rollins goes for a rolling forearm, but Riddle puts him in a choke. Gable breaks that up with a diving headbutt and then suplexes Orton, Rollins, and Riddle. Just he's so good, Gable, as, as Sidge mentioned. Uh, and then Gable goes for a moonsault, and Orton catches him spectacularly midair to hit him with an RKO. Huge bab for that, of course. Uh, and then Owens and Rollins super kick everyone, basically. Rollins hits Gable with a buckle bomb. Owens follows that with a stunner. Rollins hits him with a curb stomp. Gable is done. The match is won. But in slides Riddle to chuck Rollins out and steal the pinfall. One, two, three. RK bro are champs again. I'm breathless just describing this, Sige. This was excellent. Earnestly, the WWE match of the year. Long, never really got bored once. Two goddamn peaks. Like two peaks of incredible excitement, right? I'm going to say this because people... I'm going to reiterate it because people on the podcast listening who haven't watched the show can scarcely believe what I'm about to say. Two incredibly exciting peaks in a wrestling match, both of which involve Randy Orton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, he's, this is the best he's ever been, and he did it twice. The first was the hot tag, which is built towards incredibly. The fans were standing ovationing the guy, standing O for him entering the ring. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant. There's a sequence where everyone's just running towards him to try and just subdue this explosive... Incredible, exciting baby face. <laughs> Randy Orton. <laughs> yep. And we get backdropped on a table. Backdropped on a table. And then he tries with Otis. And Otis, of course, is too heavy. And then what happens? They do character development within a pro wrestling spot without doing exposition. It's absolutely unbelievable. And then they eventually get Otis. And he takes one of those wicked bumps that I know you love, Wilborn, where the table doesn't break. Mm-hmm. And it looks all the more gnarly because it isn't a clean snap. It just looks like, oh, God, he's like just falling over and it looks awesome. And then... They do the catch RKO spot. After like 20 minutes of the best tag team wrestling that WWE might have done since NXT, which might not even be an exaggeration. Yeah, I know fair. the Usos and the New Day have done some really good stuff as well. But this is genuinely great. At the culmination, just to add a little bit of sizzle on a steak, <laughs> they do an absolutely incredible catch RKO spot. Character development, hot action, incredible length, and the team who won a copy last week. So you're not <laughs> prepared to go on this journey with them you're instead thinking they're going to turn heel because you don't really know what's going on because this company can't book. Mm. The whole point of pro wrestling booking is to give the fans a destination, kind of reassure them that they're going to get it, but then make the journey interesting to go there. This division, despite the end output, the journey is 50-50 all over the place. Who knows who's going to win? They just can't make you anticipate it because it's all a bit messy. It's all a bit convoluted. The track record of doing everything sucks. But then, in the throes of the action, this was all great. Except for two things. Not only is it the 50-50 thing kind of ruins it. Commentary will not shut the f*** up (laughs) about the top stars who lose this match not going to WrestleMania. 
It's the chance to get to WrestleMania. Did you know that? Um, incidentally, this is the chance to get to WrestleMania. It's like, I get it. Shut up. I'm really actually for once earnestly enjoying something. Be quiet. The third problem with the best thing WWE's done all year outside of the Brock Lesnar, Randy or uh, Roman Reigns contract signing is that they do 15 minutes of exposition to set it up and it's woefully unnecessary. Mm. 15 minutes of a complete waste of time. Seth Rollins acting like the clown and I understand he was emphasizing his clownishness to try and create the contrast with later in the night when he's despondent that he's not going to WrestleMania. Can you imagine AEW going, well, I don't know if uh, Adam Cole or Kenny Omega or Chris Jericho or John Moxley or Brian Danielson or CM Punk at MGF is going to make the pay-per-view. It's like, well, you must be rubbish because there's a star. Why wouldn't you be on the pay-per-view? Mm. It Even when they are doing stuff like this, they just indict the company as terrible. <laughs> Those three things, I guarantee listeners, will not detract from your enjoyment too much. If you go and seek this match out, you should. Yeah, like, to build on that point, um, the comparison finally hit me. I was sort of, like, scrambling around the dark for it last week when I was really wanting to put over uh, Raw's tag division in general because you can kind of include the Street Profits. And the, the central problem of this, yeah, otherwise fantastic match, and I want to end being positive about the match, so I'll get this out of the way now, is that... They used they used the titles as the reason to have the match, but they used the WrestleMania ramifications as the real stakes, and there was no getting away from that. Even if you wanted to, even if you wanted to view this as just being for belts, the commentary wouldn't let you, the presentation mm-hmm. wouldn't let you, the promos wouldn't allow you to. It was WrestleMania. There's that sign in the corner of the building just in case you've forgotten. It's not about these belts. When really it can just be about the belts. Actually treat yourself to it being about the things that used to all be about, you know, because you've booked this. You've almost earned this. And they've earned it in that WWE way where, and I finally figured it out, nobody ever complains that the SmackDown 6 went 50-50 with each other all the time because all people remember is a bunch of rippers one after another after another. That's what's happened here. We've seen, we've reviewed these matches, a series of really good tag matches where everybody beats everybody else to the point where you lose track with who's in charge. If there was a ranking system, you'd, I, I can't mm. remember, I can't tell you who's beating who. I know they gave you the video package this week where Owens and Rollins tried to skew it their way. But they've lost matches as well. Everybody eats defeat all the time in WWE, so it doesn't really matter. And just like with the SmackDown 6, where you had those three constantly rotating, they rotated wins, losses, and the belts, and they had Team Angle waiting after the fact to basically pick up the scraps and take over. You would assume now the Street Profits have been set up in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. You've kind of had this like this triangular pattern of teams, and now the Street Profits will get, well, potentially, like a WrestleMania match against RK Bro, although they're giving you the teases that that too is going to fall apart because the promo after the match was almost as rewarding as the match itself. Like Randy Orton gave you this performance as if this relationship with Riddle has powered him to be this best version of himself. And then after, like, so rare for WWE, they show you it before they tell you it. So they gave you Randy Orton's physical embodiment of who he is, and then he screamed from the rooftop. He wasn't backstage saying, this is my best friend, we're going to go out here tonight. Gonna do-. He said it after the fact. The win, the performance, mm-hmm. the feeling vindicated his emotions before he says it. So rare for WWE to do that. Like, that was the one case where that, like, the three promos beforehand wasn't just a total exposition dump. Orton had to feel it in the match to then say it out loud to, like, awkwardly, for a guy that's done this 20 years, he doesn't really like being in touch with his feelings, and he allowed himself to, and there's something really quite mm. nice, and, like, AEW tried to do that with Hangman Page, and WWE just can't because it's not that <laughs> company, and they, they've done it. They've allowed themselves to do it such a, like, in such a small way. The match was fantastically well worked. Um, the, I bit... And I think if people go back and watch this now, knowing the result, maybe they won't get this. But I bit because I was so certain the RKO split was coming. 
So they had me on a few separate near falls because I was so certain that the champions were retaining. Mm -hmm. And again, fair play to WWE, they've kind of booked a tag division to make you actually think about the destination of these wrestlers. And that, like as we see all the time in AEW, really aids the matches too. Um, And what's going on? Rampage, Revolution and Raw, we've had like a triple threat is good now. Yeah, like how, how is this like, three in a row from the last three wrestling shows? How has this happened? Unbelievable. I need to put over the Randy Orton thing as well, just to end my own take on a positive note, because I genuinely felt like elusive, fun, warm, real things happening on WWE's otherwise horrendously synthetic television. Mm. Randy Orton, babyface, is class. Yeah, and you still you still left a question. Oh, what's what's gonna what's gonna ruin this? Yeah. What's gonna break our hearts as much as Riddle's now because he's actually he's got him. What's gonna ruin yeah. all this? Yeah, um, uh, you said Owens and, and Rollins were despondent after the match, and then Kevin Patrick interviews uh, Orton and Riddle, and Orton says he hasn't had this much fun in the 20-plus years he's been doing this. He called Riddle his friend. Uh, he said, don't really have many friends. Uh, but he is a friend, and he's pumped they're going to WrestleMania, and I thought, I believe you. Yes, incredible. Warm feelings are good. <laughs> Uh, and then we got Dana Brooke versus Tamina for the 24-7 championship. Um, beforehand, we saw a, a devastated Kevin Owens wandering about backstage. And uh, then we saw, saw Reggie give Dana Brooke a good look kiss. And then the, uh, the, the difference between that and Tamina uh, and Tazawa. Tazawa, who uh, wanted to give Tamina a good still, look kiss. So she just, still making me laugh. Stuck one on him, and he sort of slid down a wall and went, oh, that's a lot of luck. And then we got, like, a two-minute match. Brooke, who was stuck Slid down a wall like, dude, pizza! <laughs> Sliding down a wall if you throw it at it. What do you think um, Akira Tozawa experienced after Tamina uh, gave her a kiss? If I had to guess, he probably got himself a... Uh, yeah, did, like nobody did this last week, and for shame, our wonderful listeners, give us a, a teenage virgin ninja turtle trademark Michael Sidgwick <laughs> Photoshop this week, please. <laughs> yeah. I, like I don't like to like I, I only expect it because I our listeners are awesome. Twenty four seven division. <laughs> <laughs> I only expect it because our listeners are amazing. Like not one Photoshop. I think that's down to raw engagement, not podcasting engagement. Indeed, yeah. Let's have one of them this week. Um, so then we got the match, and uh, it was just Tamina putting Dana Brooke in a Boston Crab for about a minute, and then Dana Brooke reversed it, rolled her up, one, two, three, she retains the 24-7 championship. A hometown victory again on WWE television. It's quite a few they've done so far. Wasn't one of the last ones to Dana Brooke as well? Possibly. Maybe it's just her. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, post-match, Tazawa gets on the mic. He's furious, saying Tamina should have won. Uh, she's the real champ. She's the love of his life. He wants another kiss, and she storms off, and then she comes back and just... Oh, fine. Mwah. Blows him a kiss. And the crowd are chanting, kiss him. They're into it as well. I'm kind of weirdly into this. Sid, she's looking at me. I, I have nothing. Wilborn's looking at me and I have nothing to say. Help. I think Wilborn is just a nice lad who likes to see people get together. Yeah. I love the sentence. There's absolutely zero chemistry. <laughs> yeah. I love the sentence. She's the love of his life and he wants another kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Again, here's Kevin Patrick to try and interview Seth Rollins, who just just can't can't hack it. So Patrick goes, I can't be bothered with this. And then we get the Miz's homecoming featuring Logan Paul. Uh, the Miz comes out. Uh, where are they? Cleveland? Yes, Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, 
gets he gets a great reaction, gets a baby face reaction, and he says, oh, it's nice to finally get some respect. And he introduces fellow hometown boy Logan Paul, who comes out and again gets a great reaction. And he talks about uh, his boys being in the crowd, growing up in Cleveland, and uh, this city helping him become effectively who he is today. Uh, and then they obviously twist that to make to make it, you know, well, you look at all you've accomplished, and then look at bloody Dominic Mysterio, who's only got anywhere, you know, riding on his dad's coattails. So he said, look, don't get me wrong, Rey Mysterio's a legend. Uh, we've accomplished, both accomplished great things. Uh, yet there's Ray cheered and me booed, says Miz. Uh, anyway, Miz eventually brings out WWE legend Jerry Lawler, who was... Born and raised in Cleveland. Um, you ever see? You ever seen when he's like been to the? He loves this is legit. This Cleveland thing. He like he loves the team and he goes to the club shop. And he Cleveland like, Browns. Yeah, and he, he uploads like pictures of the things he's bought and he's saying like the, the pajamas that only the weirdos buy. And he's like, hey, look at my new Twitter picture. I've got pajamas and a teddy bear. It's like we already think the one. Last thing you need to post pictures of that. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, I like your team. Fine, but it's weird. Cleveland oh. Browns better than the Cleveland Pigs, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pictures smell. <laughs> uh, he talks about places in Ohio, I can't remember, that he, he grew up in, uh, and talks about being in Cleveland when the Browns won the championship way back in 1964. Uh, and he said, you know, the only other thing that this amazing city could do is maybe host a WrestleMania. And Logan Paul's kind of on board with this as well. And Miz goes, really? Uh, it's kind of crap, isn't it? <laughs> you think it's not really good enough? I love the, the way that they twisted this. It's just... Not really, not really that good, is it? I mean, you know, I know we came from here, but after that, not really WrestleMania worthy. <laughs> he said, "Look, all the good things happening, and then they leave." The, the football team moved to Baltimore. LeBron James won a t- championship, of course, and then he left. Odell Beckham left and won a championship. He said, "Look, basically, winners come from Cleveland, but leave Cleveland, uh, and that's exactly what we're going to do now." And he left with Logan Paul. I thought. For a, you know, kind of nothing segment, it was quite a, a nice twisting of the knife, this, from Miz. Yeah, I thought Miz's delivery was really good. Like, disingenuous Miz is better than Wikipedia Miz. <laughs> Maybe I'm on a bit of a Miz hype because of where we're heading with a five-star review review, you know. Maybe I'm, I'm giving a bit of leeway because I know what's coming. There was something in this promo. Um, it was only like a minor detail, but I've noticed it twice on WWE in the last two weeks, which means it's a thing, right? You know, on uh, Vince McMahon's uh, hard-hitting interview with Pat McAfee. Indeed. Um, that, really like, humanised him, I thought. That, like, some of, our fe- some of our fellow members of the wrestling media will report was, like, really insightful. Um, there was a point where he was asked what the deal was with Stupendous, and Vincent Mann just thinks he pretty much invented the word Stupendous. It's like that video of Alexandra Burke saying oh, she, brought ele- she brought elephant in the room to the UK. I like, really, uh, I heard this phrase when I was in the States about, oh, there's an elephant in the room. <laughs> and I thought, let's take that back to the UK. We'd heard of it, Alexandra! <laughs> so Vince is like, I've, I've kind of invented stupendous, but like, why uh, Why I love it is because nobody would say it. Nobody, nobody would say stupendous, and that's his rationale. But then he's, he thinks that so much, so he's like, what if people don't know what it means? Twice now, in two weeks, a wrestler has made direct reference to how expensive the pyro is. You notice this, Roman Reigns is like, there's going to be a million dollars of pyro going off as I stand over your body, Brock Lesnar, and this is like, Cleveland couldn't even afford the pyro. <laughs> it's like, Vince, we've got really expensive pyro. Yeah. That's what I like, so listen out for more references to how pricey the fireworks are. Like, what is stupendous about it? I said, like, good fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Mrs. Backstage stuff. I yeah. don't, actually. I, look, we haven't, we're never going to get a chance to talk about this. I really enjoyed 
the Vince Mann interview. There was absolutely not, not one single insight to be found. Everyone that said that on Twitter was a liar or was chasing <laughs> clout or a job or numbers or whatever. Really enjoyable nonetheless. Like He works out at 1.30 a.m., Michael Hamlet. Don't care. Never did. His programme is so broken that it's broken him. <laughs> like Even he can't get out from the wires that he has like, made control Monday Night Raw. He can't speak like a normal human being on Raw, so we all sit there and assume and look at him. He's dying. He's, di- he's dying on his cameras. And then it just turns out that, no, it's his cameras that are killing everybody. <laughs> that's that's the problem. I, I thought it was nice to see him in that environment. I learned nothing. No, exactly. But like, I've enjoyed it all the same. Yeah, it was it was interesting in terms was. of... In terms of what, in terms, it was interesting in terms of. I like looking. I like allowed. looking at him. I like. I like looking at him and like. You could see the vest, the workout vest under his shirt buttons, and I was like, and you could see his trainers at one point. I was like, you're a weird guy. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> it was nearly 1.30 a.m. Probably when he <laughs> finished. But in terms of like hard hitting journalism, all I'd say to Pat McAfee is. You got a journalism for that? You gotta be joking me. Okay. <laughs> on, okay. on the on the Vince okay. <laughs> on the Vince interview, I was just struck by how lucid he was. Yes. When you hear stuff like, you know, Vince has got these uh, Jedi mind tricks, you know, he can still work his magic and convince people to stay or that they're going to get a push. And I'm thinking, really? Because I can't understand a word he's saying. <laughs> it's, it's Michael can't... Scott negotiating the office, isn't it? With Darrow, we're like, I want a pair of eyes. This is like, you're not doing a Jedi mind trick. Yeah. He can't talk. <laughs> so you can't say anything persuasive because he can't really say anything at all. And I was like, Oh my, he's holding a, he's holding a conversation here. You know, I had the exact same thoughts, Hamlet, like independently of him. These scripted promos are so bad <laughs> that even he who sanctions them and writes most of them, it's just the the oddest thing. And that's his on camera voice that we see with the multicam setup as well. Yes. So just just do that one, the one from Pat McAfee, because I can I can get what you're I, saying there. I cannot wait for him to get the long form Adam Wilborn interview. So like it'll be the same with Pat McAfee, whereas like after half an hour he was finally fine with like he was treating himself a few swears, wasn't he? Once he got settled, yeah. Like it's after about half an hour, forty five minutes, you're gonna take a risk and it's gonna pay off. You're gonna like press one of your buttons. He's like, I'm taking a look at those buttons, pal. Yeah. He's like, anyway, let me do a Shane one. I love the Shane. It's not like this one. Oh, oh. <laughs> He'd I love that. I love one. it. I love it. Uh, anyway, what was happening? Oh yeah, Monday Night Raw, uh, where we are backstage with Kevin Patrick <laughs> again, <laughs> who's uh, joined by Tommaso Cheber and Bron Breaker. Uh, if this is your first experience of Bron Breaker, do join us for the NXT Two Point Oh preview a little bit later on today as we look ahead to Roadblock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. I, join us if you've never heard of Bron Breaker for Roadblock. <laughs> <laughs> it gets fucking weird on Tuesdays. We've got games. <laughs> Uh, Bron said he's excited to be on Raw for the first time, taking it all in, said it's a great dream country, all the usual bollocks, uh, and he can't wait to get his hands on Dolph Ziggler and uh, Bobby Roode and Champa said For he the planned, fifth or sixth time. <laughs> not beating him again. Uh, they uh, run through Gable Stevenson winning a Big Ten championship, and uh, then the Street Profits say, oh, you know, we've got a path to WrestleMania now, you know, we've beaten all these teams and we beat RK Bro and blah, blah, blah. We should be next in line for the titles, effectively. We want the smoke, etc. Um, and just in case you were unaware <laughs> as to who Bron Breaker was, they aired a vi- what do you reckon that make of the uh, Bron Breaker video package before this match? Well, I liked it because I like Bron Breaker. He, we say this a lot on these podcasts. Like, it's all about elevating uh, bad creative in WWE, and Bron Breaker is currently doing it. There's no like I thought this promo was going to ruin him. He's 
fucking at this point his lifelong dream is it to appear on this absolute shit show. I know, I right? know. That, I that know. could have killed him, but he's got this crazy energy. Like a video package cobbled together in like ten seconds previously would have done so. But now there's so many of the same people that work on NXT that work on Raw that there's oddly more synergy than there ever was in the Triple H era. So this this like tied together far more with what we get from him every week because at least the energy burst for same in the match. Like I just felt good about Bron Breaker still. Whereas previously, if this was if he was a Triple H guy, like Vince would have EC3'd him. Wouldn't yes, he? exactly. You know? it, did, it was a marked difference, wasn't it, from compared to? Well, I'll talk about the match in a second, but compared to how they used to bring certain NXT people up, I thought this was night and day. Mm, nah, it's still brand first. Everyone else is in reverence of the brand, and I think the brand sucks, and I think everyone in reverence to the brand sucks as a result. <laughs> I think it's just Bron's one of the few success stories from the new NXT, and it was kind of showcased here through all the usual stuff. He's in a match with Dolph Ziggler, first and foremost. This is nowhere near as good as the NXT match. Oh, no, but I mean in terms of just... Your, your That's a wild thing to say, isn't it? Why wouldn't you do it? That's a strange thing to say. Like, go back and watch the NXT match for the NXT for the better version of this Raw match. I suppose because they, like, they are trying to sh- they're trying to shield Roadblock. That's the reason. Mm, yes, yeah, to do it with a good match. Like, this company is so insistent <laughs> on being like, they get off on being withholding. To <laughs> quote That's Arrested it. Development, like, just give me the best of Bron Breaker. Don't give me the subdued, smiley version of Bron Breaker. Give me the guy that people are starting to actually talking about. Appropriate reference because Edge just blew himself. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the fourth and fifth seasons of our terrible. <laughs> uh, Bron. And you kind of really need to reorder the story for it to all make sense. <laughs> Bron hits Rude early on with a delayed vertical suplex. Uh, and then it's Champa who comes in and Rude gets, gets in with a spine buster. The heel sort of take over as we go to a break. Um, eventually, Champa hits a knee strike, brings Bron back in, who hits a mad overhead suplex and a spine buster. Uh, he runs into a kick from Ziggler, but comes right back, clotheslines him. Rude distracts him. That allows Ziggler to schoolboy Bron, but thankfully he kicks out at two. Um, Ziggler hits him with a zigzag. Champa breaks up the cover. Champa takes Rude out of the p- picture. And uh, Braun eventually nails Ziggler with that military press power slam of his for the victory before Ziggler gets on the mic and says, well, doesn't matter because tomorrow on NXT, there's a triple threat for the title. And the moment you, you count me out, the moment you turn your backs on me is when I strike, when I become NXT champion, Sage. Yeah, mostly boring. Ziggler's boring. Question, <laughs> was I not paying enough attention or did Bron Breaker not do a spear in this match? He did not do a spear. Do the spear. Why not? Yeah, I completely They, they very clearly held that back. I don't know why, but they did. Like you could, uh, there was a point at which he was like firing up and he even like, that like cool dropping power slam thing he does, like half of Goldberg's repertoire and they didn't permit him to do that. Like that felt pointed that it was missing after, ev- after it got shared like last week. Nothing gets shared off NXT and that got, that went like mini viral for them, didn't it? If I had any faith whatsoever in them actually building Bron Breaker as the next big baby face in this company, I could excuse the fact that they didn't show his best thing because you're meant to save the best thing you've got. But, like, if you want to get someone over, the whole point is get people over. There are not enough people who are over in this company. You haven't got the luxury of relying on... You've got some mutants on Twitter, some insects who do the let it play out thing, and whoever says that earnestly is a goddamn moron. So to the people who actually have a clue in their heads, Mm -hmm. who know better and aren't idiots, get someone over. How does Bron Breaker get over? Like, spear someone so hard that it looks like they've broken their ribcage on impact which is what it looked like with Z- yeah. Ziggler last week. Perfect like, person to spear as well, Ziggler. 
because he just really it, goes for it. With the fact that they didn't do it, given everything I know about WWE and its recent rotten history, modern rotten history, is that they don't want people to get over. Yeah. And I don't know why. It's the oddest thing. It makes no sense, but they don't want people to get over. And I got the feeling they didn't really want Bron Breaker to get over. And it, it, it makes no sense. The guy is appearing on the flagship to advertise his appearance for a TV show for which they want to secure ratings. Give him a spear. Let him spear someone. Instantly, people go, look at that. That's awesome. I must see more. Or I must see that again. Mm. Get people over. It's not hard. When you've <laughs> kind of done it. Yeah. I saw um, Already? I saw like a tiny bit of pushback. I say I saw, I had to go looking for it on the Raw hashtag. Nobody speaks about Raw. But I saw a little bit of pushback. Oh, like why would Dolph Ziggler get pinned here when you've got this match on Roadblock? And then I thought, well, isn't that a bit of LTST? Because didn't this program start with like Dolph Ziggler saying, I might lose more than I win. 99 times out of 100. <laughs> but at one time, maybe I was 6% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not going to be that 1% of Roadblock, is it? Um my well, will it? Find out on the NXT 2.0 preview. So, right. Rule it out. I, I didn't get those vibes that Sidgwick got about Bron Breaker. I, I thought Bron Breaker had a, a pretty good night. And again, but I'm plugged in. So I'm going to watch regardless. So it's maybe I'm not the person they should be shooting for when it comes to Bron Breaker. But where I agree with him completely is uh, Tommaso Ciampa was the Miz. I like the Miz, right? But like that's what he was, wasn't he? He was just a warm WWE body mm. to stand there and make tags. He isn't as big as Big Bob Rude. <laughs> that was what I like. <laughs> and this was like, like it's it's that hasn't gone away at that feeling of like, isn't that Tommaso Ciampa? And then he comes to Raw, it's like, oh, it's Tommaso. And I just don't, it just just a like lump of clay once he's on Raw. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal 
personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. We have to talk next uh, about, well, first and foremost, about how they shot almost. <laughs> Your thoughts, Amplet? The um, Andre shot famed for how effective it was. At, um, and not just with Andre, but establishing giants, monsters, all that kind of thing. It's, in, in my opinion, like it might be actually better um, executed with Sid when he arrived in WWE because you had a guy that had to be seen as as big as Hogan, bigger than the warrior who suddenly disappeared. Uh, like So they just used it with Sid. We all know the shot, right? Um, most recently used on NXT 2.0. Listen mm. to the preview to find out who that's for. Um, but there is... But you, but you can go too low, it turns out, with your, with your ankle. There you go. <laughs> like, I think they dug a trench for the cameraman. Otherwise, they were literally laying flat on the back in Gorilla. This looked absurd. I like, like the fact that they couldn't even put Sarah Schreiber on camera for this. Who are we? Make it look ridiculous. Who are we supposed to... Be? The, the idea of the Andre thing is that it's supposed to be a point-of-view shot, right? So it's not just that he's massive... It's that you're standing there next to him and now you can feel how massive he is. So ideally, you want to be from just below waist height because that might mirror your experience of Andre the Giant. H- who are we? Next <laughs> 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 are we, are we literally, is this like Tom Thumb or something? Are we just like, like we're just like stood full extension of tiny shoe? Is that how tall we are next to Omos? <laughs> it like, this is the opposite of the Andre effect. Like the, it achieves the opposite because it actually takes you away. It doesn't bring you into being next to him. It actually breaks your immersion. Omos this was, versus the borrowers. <laughs> Like, really hideous presentation of, a, of an actual literal giant. It was unnecessary and absurd. You're meant to be impressed, like, towered over mm. by the giant. You're not meant to laugh at the camera work. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, it's weird, because I normally love a good bit of POV. Um, but uh, Sarah Schreiber's a disembodied voice talked about him taking on, uh, taking a spot, I should say, at WrestleMania. Uh, and he said something, I don't know. And then uh, almost came out and wrecked Apollo Crews whilst they sort of teased Commander Aziz, I suppose. He eventually hit Apollo Crews with a tree slam. But yeah, they're clearly going for the two big lads maybe at WrestleMania. I'd love it. Give them four minutes. Give what, them four they, that, stupid minutes. Is it going to be the Andre? Last, two, last two of the Andre, isn't it? Be. Last two of the Andre. Yeah. yeah. But give them four minutes to just... Make me feel like I'm six, seven years old again. That would be ideal. <laughs> Big Sharky Bono for tall lads. See what? <laughs> Moss is absolutely terrible. Absolutely. <laughs> He's absolutely useless in terms of his positioning. It's just his general awareness of Work. What, what to do. But that power bomb, like, is awesome and it looks relatively safe. Yeah. It's it's like I've said this before, but like almost it's great for the uh, people like me, like the Carly Truthers, because right now it's going to have people going back and watching their old like 2007 network footage and going, "Wow, Carly can go!" <laughs> it's just because she's stuck watching almost every week. Um, so that was that, and then Michael Sidgwick, he got Edge. Yep, Edge. Uh, they they did a big recap of him destroying AJ Styles to set up their WrestleMania match. They announced that AJ Styles now has a severe neck contusion. And anal bleeding. No, they haven't they didn't say that. <laughs> but I, whenever they do this serious, I always think of that, obviously. Is it Booker? He's like, what? <laughs> Straight <laughs> afterwards. Um, so they do Edge's music, uh, but there's no 
So give it to me, big entrance. Oh, I'll be fired up here. Instead, it's blue. The whole arena's blue. There's a blue spotlight. Out comes Edge. He's in a suit. And uh, he slowly walks the ring with no music and booze raining down on him. Blues. <laughs> he says, uh, I know Styles. Blued. So he knew Styles was watching at home. And he said, uh, don't let the kids watch this. And don't let Wendy Styles watch this either. <laughs> he said, I did, st- did Styles a favour. Uh, and then suddenly, he's, I don't know, he talked about peeling back his head or brain or something. I don't know. Summit came out and he had the freedom to fly. Uh, he said he, it was a side of him he'd never seen before and a side he's fallen in love with. He said he uh, felt in full control of everything that he does. I'm starting to like the blue. Everything that happens <laughs> in the ring, everything that's going to happen in... He said, he's standing, I want to get this clean, guys. He's standing on a mountain of omnipotence, and the view was phenomenal. Beth Phoenix writing his copy now. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly the kind of bollocks she would say on NXT when she was commentating on it. This Edge character, this promo was absolutely terrible. People will praise it, and I don't know why. This is, thinks it's clever stuff for idiots. That's Mm. what this Edge character is. Word soup, a mountain of omnipotence. What he's essentially saying, I think, is that he feels like he's a god now. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Well, he was asking someone last week to pick a fighter with him, so they probably just took old Alistair Black. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, this was so bad. The blue thing looked ridiculous. His verbiage was stupidly convoluted, thinks it's clever, and absolutely isn't. It's the kind of stuff that I would write in sixth form. Mm. Actually, I was pretty... I was great. The kind of stuff form. I'd write in sixth form. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was great in sixth form. Um, it's absolutely tripe that thinks it's clever. It isn't. The whole presentation of this Edge character sucks, and it's so hysterically bad. The worst is how hard he's trying. It's, not, it's even worse than something like Natalia's flatulence or various stupid comedy skits they've done throughout the years, because at least they knew what they were. They were the deranged sketches as devised by a guy who's just got a really puerile sense of humour. They were what they were, Mm. and they were horrendous. This has the absolute temerity to think it's clever, profound, good, and (laughs) the more Edge reaches desperately towards this award that's never going to be forthcoming. An Oscar. It, I th- cringe. I would rather write, like, you know, that's the thing. I don't want to see my family walk in on me watching yes. wrestling. This is up there. Legitimately, I'm not taking the piss. This is up there with the wor- the things I would not want them to see is, are you like this? <laughs> so I, I watched, uh, I rewatched Danielson and Moriarty, right? And... My wife was just doing some work. She had some stuff to catch up on at home as she was watching it. And I was like, oh, Francis, I'm literally putting this on because it's the one thing that, like, you as a non-fan would think, like, you wouldn't think less of me for watching it because it's, like, it's a really good fight, really thrilling. Like, the, the work was incredible. They looked like they're really hurting each other. Two serious guys telling a very serious story. And you can't possibly take the piss out of me for watching this. Therefore... If, if you're not watching your Vera, whatever you are, <laughs> then I'm going to put this on and not feel any shame. Oh, thank God. 
and she sees the spot where they're upside down and stuff, and she's like, oh, that looks uh, very choreographed. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, so even Danielson doesn't pass the non-fan smell test. This, if I put this on, but I don't like it really, and she'd go, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I'd married you. It's excruciating, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's just, I, I, what I wanted from this, like, as Edge was talking, and you could see all of this terrible sub-six form stuff coming out, I was like, I was already thinking of, like, AJ Styles' confused face retort. Like, it's, not only is this funny, but it's not even the feud for him. It's like, I climbed a mountain. All I could see was the edge of the earth. <laughs> like, uh, there, were, there were a lot of people. Why are you blue? <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of people that would be um, a better fit for this specific edge project than AJ. But the whole... The reason this match exists is because a load of people made a WrestleMania Dream Match graphic a few years ago, and WWE went, "Now, nah, we can have Randy Orton, right?" So they've done it. They've finally given you it, and then now is the time that they've deployed this strange edge turn, which will be for some people, evidently will be for a lot of people. Unsurprisingly, I imagine to our regular listeners, not for us. Like no. this immediately didn't feel right to me at all. Same reasons as Sidgwick. Too fake, too silly, too phony. Um, we talked earlier on about warmth. Edge's comeback was so warm. Like, this guy is, like, gutted through the rehab and the years and the lost time and all that, and he's come back and he's, like, just feels like this awesome baby face that people had to see. This was and this was the opposite of warm, and not just because it was blue. <laughs> not just because it looked gold. Like, there. Uh, blew it anyway. It was a nonsense. The, and The lighting reflected the coldness within. <laughs> like, he's, he's a god of this, right? He's like, now I get it, I'm, I'm in. And he does that thing as well that I hate that wrestlers do. Like, CM Punk did it. Last week, and he was like one of the first guys that I remember in recent memory that was convincing with it. You know, where they pretend they're forgetting what they want to say, or they're, they're pretending that they've not quite arrived at the point. It's like, and I'm just sort of thinking, what am I, uh, what have I become? How did I get this? <laughs> so violent? And it's like, no, you were going to say that all along. You've just put these <laughs> in between to try and make it seem yeah. convincing. Like, he's like all of this. I'm the god of this. I never realized <laughs> now I'm in control. I can kind of control <laughs> all of this. He's going to put a headlock on in the match. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If you're a god of all this, why would you slap a chin lock on? <laughs> Beat him quicker. Anyway, uh, then Kevin Patrick <laughs> interviews Kevin Owen in the back, uh, who suddenly has had this epiphany, and he says this is going to be his ticket to WrestleMania, uh, and he won't reveal it, then he's going to reveal it later on tonight. Um, we're going to talk about Owens later on. Was there another Rollins is sad, or did we just get the one on the show? As far as I'm aware, we just got one. I, I just wanted to mention this. I should have mentioned this earlier, because I guess we're getting no more sad Seth this week. Um, they've got a week to figure this out with Cody, haven't they? <laughs> like it's Rose to WrestleMania, yeah. Rose in Jacksonville. Uh, Cody's lost all of his AEW leverage, but now WWE might have lost their leverage with Cody. It's the other way around. Is that how it's gone? People like, reckon that the public statement has completely ruined the whole thing because it's all right, he's left now. Can't go back after saying they've left. That's zero at the end. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very Vince. Yeah. Very, very Vince. Don't want him anymore. Just, well, the, just to say, well, don't have to, you've, you've only got one option now. You've lost your leverage <laughs> because you've literally come out publicly with a statement and said you are not there anymore. Um. I've got a revised offer for you. And he's like, well, that's not what was uh, said. Well, you had left. It's, ama <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. It's fascinating. Um, but they've they've done Sad Seth because they've got a week, haven't I they? I think they've, it's worth it still, but yes. they, they don't. They've had to buy that's themselves the a week. I, like, I'll, I'll be devastated if it doesn't happen. I know, me too. Like, the, like, it's way more interesting than going back to AEW. 
Yes. Even, even if by three months it's completely boring. It's the total opposite of interesting. It's, he's fighting Sheamus on SmackDown. Why? <laughs> Don't care. He's the Intercontinental Champion. I'm going to make this belt mean something. Like, it's... They've got seven days, and that's why they've had to do, like, just say nothing, Seth. Mm. Give, give them another week. <laughs> what you got for me otherwise? I don't know, Andre. Like the, yeah. You can tip out, tip out Omos and, like, Commander Aziz while they're fighting in mm. the corner. <laughs> 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 Put a little suit on the Andre on the statue. If you include the weekend that they've just had, they also had... No, days. You know, to sort it out, so... He's good at this. He's good at this. He's not bad. He's still working really Set up his next bit of the then we got the tag team champions and one half of the stars of the brilliant Corey and Carmella YouTube series, question mark. Uh, Carmella <laughs> and Queen Zelina, your majesty. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, that infamous tag team of Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. Huh? Oh. Um, with a space or a spot in the tag team, women's tag team title matchup for grabs. Um which, uh, well, basically, Carmella couldn't care less about because she was so obsessed with chatting to her other half uh, that she just got got out of the match. So Morgan comes in. Uh, she, she's uh, the Carmella and Ripley have done some stuff. Morgan comes in, hits Zelina with a missile drop kick, gets a two count. Zelina fights back and gets back to a corner. But Carmella's just meh, 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 with uh, Corey Graves at ringside. Uh, so Morgan hits her with a code breaker. Ripley hits Zelina with a riptide. One, two, three. They're now in the tag title match at WrestleMania. This was an absolute embarrassment, and everybody associated with it outside of the wrestlers themselves should be ashamed of themselves today. You know, there was I saw again on this raw hashtag treat yourself because you do like you open a, a door that you otherwise wouldn't. That's the real forbidden door. Is seeing what people actually like about the show on the hashtag. People really like the people that still really like Liv Morgan, right? Really like that she synced up with uh, Rhea Ripley's standing on the floor entrance thing she does. This is what people watch. We've said this before. They don't go. They don't go to WWE shows for the matches anymore. They want to see stuff on the entrance. Liv Morgan does a stomp. That's how low the bar is at this point. She <laughs> does a stomp in sync with Rhea, and it's like, wow, are they the best tag team of all time? Like, I know I get a bit excited about matching gear, but Christ, like, so this has happened now. Um, Carmella doesn't care about a tag title. She cares about a failing YouTube Cock. show. And, and penis, yeah, a failing YouTube show, and 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 the penis that isn't drawing the numbers apparently. Um. Forget about all these four. Forget about all of them. Done. There you go. This is Sasha Banks' WrestleMania match. It's not on that, is it? Like it's, it's, it's barely good to go. Bring her back. Scrap all this. Singles match. Like, I, don't, I don't care who replaces Sasha. She's pretty upset about losing them at WrestleMania 35, so <laughs> This is an abomination in Hamlet's right to identify the correct issue. It is beneath Sasha Banks. It is beneath everyone. Yes. Rhea Ripley in particular deserves a bit more, I would say, because they've completely botched it. But, like, Sasha goddamn Banks. Like, with all the will in the world, I think a lot of people with Rhea Ripley are like, a lot of people who really like wrestling and really like her on NXT are still disappointed what it's sort of turned into and still hope for the best. Sasha Banks has got the potential to be, like, a female pop culture icon. Mm. <laughs> like, legitimately, look at her fan base. Look at how cool she is. Look at how much people are besotted with this woman. She, the pop culture icon thing has already sort of happened, the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, like she's, it was, it was she's, there. She's got like a supporting <laughs> role in a thing. Mm. So I was maybe exaggerating. But she's got potential yeah, to yeah. do incredible things in the mainstream. And her looks like people share images of her because they are besotted by how much of a goddamn star she is or how much of a star she should be. They This is... 
legitimately, like they've done a great job of Roman Reigns. They do a great job of Brock Lesnar. They do fun things with certain acts like that you wouldn't conceive of, like Randy Orton and Chad Gable and you know Rollins and Owens do things that are like this is WWE in what they are doing now. What they've done with Sasha Banks and what a following she has and how much of a star she could be, I think Sasha Banks is the biggest promotional disgrace of WWE's like modern period. Wow. Like within the NXT Beyond era, Sasha Banks is the single biggest failing of this system. She walked away in 2019 after that aforementioned defeat. Um, and things were broadly in a better state for her then than they are yes. now. <laughs> like at least you like her and Bailey had willed those belts into existence and were promised. It was what they were lied up to that mm. sent her away. Like, well, at least the legacy was still there after WrestleMania 35. What with the belt? Yeah. This conversation's over, isn't it? He's, he's doing his bit. Did you notice that the Iconics were legal? Yes! <laughs> yeah, she's in a worse place now than she was yeah. then, and that was enough to, to like to have a walk away and think, is this really for me? <laughs> in better news, uh, they announced Vader's induction into the Hall of Fame. Uh, long overdue, of course. Fake yeah. hall. Yeah, but like it's pretty cool. Uh, the Hall of Fame is nice for those that are still alive to get the moment. I wish he'd had it sooner. Truthfully, like that's all it is. It's a nice time for the old the guys that get like, well, like they knew damn well he wasn't in the best of health and he didn't really have that long left. Mm. Um, he had significant health issues um, in the years before his life was brought to a really premature end. Should have done then. Yeah. Uh, and they had a clip from SmackDown. Uh, well, they had a clip actually. Sorry yeah. to piss on your chips, Will Bourne, but it's nice, Alison. Yeah, exactly. That, that, was, that was the only point I was making. I completely support with both of what you said there. So they had a clip of Vince on the Pat McAfee podcast and then a clip from uh, the, the SmackDown where Vince offered Pat McAfee a match and then Austin Theory revealed it was going to be him and slapped the taste out of Pat McAfee's mouth. Uh, and then we got... Skip! Austin Theory versus Finn Balor. Skip. Where, yeah, they had a back and forth match. Like Damien, skip means skip. Damien Priest so. got involved. There was a DQ, took Balor out with the razor's edge and then Theory hit Balor with an ATL. That's more than I was going to see on the podcast. Match. It's not scary. I want to invoke invoke because uh, it's Carter with Austin Theory here. You're ready for this. Um, you know when can we skip something else? You know when a card <laughs> lost. You know when a card lost to Omega, and uh, amongst all the awesome details with that character and how he was briefly broken and had to like find himself again and like return to the top of New Japan. Um, I think it was you, Cedric, that spotted this first. It wasn't where, me, the balloon. No, the um, the music change where like the uh, like it's revving up to kickstart and then goes and it sort of deflates because it was reflecting how Okada himself has sort of deflated as a person. Yes. Um, apply that noise to the graphic of Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory when we were all like <laughs> hoping for Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon. <laughs> well, enough of all this. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review review. Nailed it. I'm skipping something else later. You'll have a job. Got the Bianca Belair segment and the Kevin Owens main event. Well, one of them is getting skipped. So that's all that's left. Yep. And we've done well. <laughs> so this week's five star review review is brought to you by Mark Elms. Elmes? Elms, I'm gonna go with. Um if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling rated for us to review, uh you can either do so or you should do so by leaving us a five star review on iTunes, or you can also email it to me as Mark has done, Adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Mark writes, I stumbled onto your podcast two years ago. I don't think I've missed an episode since. Uh, as I adore the Dadley's top-notch analysis and banter, and I can't sing your praises anymore as a host. The flipping voices kill me. The raw review waiting for Covered Patrick with NXT waiting for a terminus trap. 
Tony D, Von Wagner. <laughs> He's written the new retribution noise, which I think is just. <laughs> uh, but also the way you describe it, Matt. I mean, not really me. It's more you two. And provide your takes. Uh, your banter skills uh, as a slight antagonist to elicit certain responses. <laughs> yep, fair. Uh, as you in peak form as of late, you legends make my day. Seven stars for the raw review, five-star review review. Adam's choice with the hope it involves a voice. Right, bad news. It doesn't involve a voice, but it does involve one of our favorite segments that we've been enjoying recently in the office. Yeah, this was, um, <laughs> how did this even happen? Like, it's, oh, we're getting in the office to the, those of us that were doing the, uh, the live revolution coverage. So, uh, what a card. It's so, that Twitter account. It is that Twitter account. Yes, I wanted to share with you a recent Twitter account that has um, fired up about like uh, WWE promos you may have forgot. And it happened to uh, like throw one up that I remembered all too painfully, which was the SmackDown karaoke contest in the empty performance <laughs> center. Which I'm going, time to play the game. Uh, it was like, oh, I'm so sad. I remember what, like, Lacey, was a dark time. Lacey was. Evans was doing um, with my baby tonight and like getting the words wrong when like this entire thing got Bruce Pritchard's job back, basically. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the click, basically. We're going, no one's going to help people read <laughs> through these raw, there's no vaccine. Everything's screwed forever, phase of the pandemic. Let's get uh, let's diminish the women by making them sing our songs. <laughs> <laughs> it was as bad a decision as when Gal Gadot and all the others went, I think it's time for us to sing Imagine. Oh, that should fix everything. <laughs> we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so this promo, we were all uh, enjoying that. And then the very next one on the timeline That's it. was what we're about to talk about today. And it was a proper sort of like, guys, guys, gather around. <laughs> like enthusiastic moment of being able to find this again. Probably because it had been, what, a month since we'd enjoyed at least a, a portion of this. Mm. Um, take us back to June 2017 and the big baller brand. <laughs> what was going on with both things? What was go I uh, can't pretend to tell you what was going on with the big baller brand. But what I can tell you is that there was some synergy because we were heading towards Great Balls of Fire at this point on its third logo redesign. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Speaking of things that uh, were going on three times too long, The Miz versus Dean Ambrose, which, which had already been on two pay-per-views for the Intercontinental title. That this time, they were really going to save. We're going to talk about Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and the big baller brand. Um, aye, Miz and Ambrose was going to end at Great Balls of Fire, and this feud was already out of juice, mm. so they turned to balls. Was Maurice involved in the previous match? Now, you asked me this as a bit of prep. So the, I couldn't find it other than, do you remember when they brought Renee in briefly and then parked it? Uh, so yeah. I think there was this like, um, Miz had said something to Renee um, back when this feud was, a, this was a SmackDown feud and there was a draft around this time and they ported the feud to Raw. It wasn't just, oh, thank God we don't need to watch this match anymore. They both went to Raw at the same time. You're the one who's sleeping with them. Yeah. Remember that? Uh -huh. So that was where Maurice had been involved. And I think she was, it was more like, I'm a little bit sick, Miz, of you sh at this point. Because this was like, they started phasing Maurice out in favour of the Miztourage. Because they were the ones that actually, oh, yes. like, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, that guy from the weekend, from Revolution, oh, from yeah, the last few years, could not, like, deal with Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas. <laughs> My take on the big baller brand was that the Patriarch was insisting that one day he was going to create a dynasty of incredibly wealthy um, basketball players. So he... I had kids for that purpose to make <laughs> some money. <laughs> and she was saying this when he was like, you know, in the vinegar strokes. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it feels like a Vince thing as well, doesn't it? Well, my name's Paul. <laughs> How can this fail? So Miss welcomes us to Miss TV and says that he and his wife have never been happier. Uh, Maurice doesn't seem to think the same. <laughs> she sort of 
mugs him off as he goes for the kiss. Uh, anyway, he introduces Lavar Ball uh, and his son Lamelo Ball, and I mean, this is one of those ones where sometimes I say you don't really need to watch along as we talk about it here. Please go and watch this just for. I mean, how would you describe Lavar Ball's entrance? The wacky version. Jazz hands, first of all. <laughs> on the stage, the second he yeah, cut, yeah. yeah. You know that um, episode of The Simpsons where Homer suddenly wants to be Ned's mate and he turns <laughs> a little bit psychotic about it and he's chasing them <laughs> with the golf clubs. Imagine that, but like done by a wacky, unprofessional madman. He sort of hey, runs down to the ring and then sticks his leg in the air after he slid in. I, I've laughed. A big spender. <laughs> That's how he, he just does. He rocks a big spender in the middle of the freaking ring. I've got the range. Like I've watched this run, this arms out run, so many times that I've never stopped to look at what he does when he gets in the ring. Like we're watching this 100 million at a time, and it was only this time that we saw him laying flat with his leg going straight up, 19 degrees in the fucking air. Uh, he's like, he's obviously, like, he's a student of the game. He's listening to Harley Race talking about nothing quite like looking up at those bright lights. <laughs> like, I want to, I want to feel that. <laughs> and then he yells, "Big ball of brand in the house!" To start us off. Uh, and my favourite bit is he introduces the face of Big Baller Brand. And don't forget, as I mentioned, uh, Lamelo's come with him down to the ring, and he's like, "Anyway, here's the face of the Lakers, the face of the Big Baller Brand, the best son of mine." And I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. He introduces Alonzo Ball, um, who comes down to the ring in socks and sliders. And uh, Miz congratulates him on being, I think, the second draft pick uh, for the for the Lakers. Um, and he, and then he asks LeVar about uh, basically a Miz uh, big baller brand partnership. And LeVar says, what do you mean partnership? We got only got three letters, triple Bs. And Miz just all goes, <laughs> and an M. I thought, you, I thought you were here to announce your partnership. It's, you can already tell it's sort of gone off the rails. Yeah, at this point. It's a total train wreck. Uh, <laughs> Why didn't the Miz bring this up when he's doing his like, LinkedIn promo as well? I did this, I did this. Do you remember the big ball of brand week? <laughs> um, I thought you were here to announce a partnership with your favourite WWE superstar, he says. Uh, and LeVar says, well, we were th- don't forget he's wearing the Intercontinental Championship at this point. Elevating the belt. We're thinking of somebody a little bit higher. You're a little too low for us right now. <laughs> You're just a bit crap, basically. Uh, and Miz says, what, you're saying I'm not on the level of a big baller brand? Understand that I am a champion. How many championships have you won? Lamar goes, two. And Lonzo goes, three. <laughs> Miz goes, uh, well, did UCLA, UCLA win this year? They get some reaction from the crowd, of course. Uh, and Lamar, he's got a zinger in this pocket. He says, now we know what the Miz stands for. I don't think we're emphasising enough the fact that he's just talking all of the time and trying to get himself over and completely derailing this segment because he's a genuinely... He's a narcissistic madman, this fella. He's bouncing off. I mean, I mean, he's a broken fella, isn't he? He is a broken fella at he's this an point. Inc- he's, just a, he's a, literally a narcissist. I can't really do this, but like, be aware that, yeah, whenever I'm reading words of The Miz or even Dean Ambrose later to come, who comes out to hit the, the pit bit to end this yeah. segment. Lavar's still talking. He's just all, <laughs> yeah, just in the background or whatever. <laughs> so uh, he says, well, now we know what the Miz stands for. Misinterpreted zone. What? <laughs> <laughs> or I think this one he came up with on the fly. I don't think this was, I don't think this was scripted. I mean, this was bloody scripted. He goes, or 
A million zippers. Because he points at Mrs. Jacket. He starts trying to work the zips on his coat. <laughs> and then Miss tries to, like, okay, go, go get this. Fair play to Miz. Like, he's trying to, like, come on, Lavar, work with me and we can get this back on, back on track. It's and what goes, they love him for. Zip it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is what the, this is what they love the Miz for, isn't it? Like, he gets to work. Like, watch. You're going to feed me today, boss. I got <laughs> this for you. He knows, he knows what to say and what not to say. Oh, yeah, 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 don't worry. <laughs> His sons definitely know what not to say. Um, and Miz says, oh, you're always talking, aren't you? You're not wrong. <laughs> always saying you could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. And that gets a bit of reaction to the crowd. And LeVar says, this is my favorite line. Like I said before, there's only two dudes better than me, and I'm both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think he means to say his two sons are better than him. Is that right? Is that what he's going for? I mean, he's got three sons, I think. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. They're, they're he doesn't like one of them. He's already made that clear. What's he talking about? <laughs> Where's the ball maths t-shirt in the, in the like the tribute to Scott Steiner? Uh, well, Miz says he's still Miz is desperately trying to like I don't know what the phrase is, but he's trying to pull this back on course. So he's like, oh, okay, uh, basketball, uh, Jordan, uh, two two people better than you, and you're both of them. Uh, well, understand you're in a WWE ring with the Michael Jordan. Someone doing w- sorry, someone doing MP4 of he's gaining on us with uh, <laughs> <laughs> the patriarch of the ball family there, <laughs> just doing that thing. Understand you're in a WWE ring with the Michael Jordan of WWE, and this this just sends Lavar off. He says, "What, Mello? Hand on my lightweight. I'll unleash and just goes and stands on the bottom rope for some reason." <laughs> Visually, it's the I'll unleash. <laughs> he just You've been unleashed by the bit already. <laughs> <laughs> he just stands on the bottom rope like that. Right, I'm ready now. I was on the bottom rope. I'm speaking unleash. to Omos's cameraman. Shoot me from down there. <laughs> so, um, Miz says, Oh, you're going to unleash all the balls on me. <laughs> Good. Uh, <laughs> he also says, "It's quite." A, I thought this was quite uh, Alexandra Burke idiom. It was quite a British thing. He says, "I don't want to deal with your kid's mouth." Right? I've never heard some American say "mouth." Have you ever heard, I've that? Never heard that? I don't want to deal with your kid's mouth. I want to deal with you. All you know, you keep talking, talking, talking. All I want you to do is prove it. And he said, Lamar says." Boy, you better stay in your lane, or the hunt is on, and you the prey. And he nearly corpses at that point. Yeah, he's so unprofessional. It's incredible. He's having a great time. Um, and then Lavar says, "He's literally the only person in the arena, <laughs> other than someone who's imminent." Yes, he says, uh, "You want that belt?" And then and Miz sort of hands the belt, I think, to Maurice at this point. And then he goes, "Oh, boy, you make him so." <laughs> 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 Right, <coughs> so Miz, presumably to because he's going to throw down with him or something, Miz, <sighs> Miz takes his jacket off, and Lavar says, put your clothes back on, buff man. You ain't the only man, but I don't know what he says after that because he gives the microphone away. I, you need to talk into the microphone, otherwise I can't hear what you're <sighs> saying, Lavar. And he did, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm going to give you this. What does he do when he takes his shirt off? Karate stuff. <laughs> if you're um, 16, it's the early 1980s and the karate kids just come out of the cinema and you've never done karate in your life. <gasps> Arms are going everywhere. <laughs> 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 you, 
What you kind of do as well, I love the choice of words you use because people come into wrestling, it's a bit like what Cedric was saying before, like we, the stuff that we assume is still going to be all right, it's still not really all right fundamentally, but like you kind of say things like put your clothes back on because none of them have got clothes on, that's sort of the point of it, like put your clothes back on, every every wrestler goes like, oh god, I'm in my pants, (laughs) they just cover up. So all I can think of, the laughter comes in waves, especially in this point, for a variety of different reasons. Karate and stretching. It's it's back from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, (laughs) except some guy is in real life thinking he's looking hard. (laughs) Oh, boy, you're making me sore! And he takes his T-shirt off, right? And all I can imagine is someone backstage going, is that the cue? That's the cue? Okay. And he just hits a button. Dean Ambrose music starts playing. Uh, one of the the the, uh, the children yells something into like I obviously cannot repeat, but has become infamous yeah. of following that. So Dean Ambrose comes out, and you think, okay, well, the, the we've seen this a million times. Sige, the structure is something goes on the ring, music hits, someone walks out on the stage and says something. End of segment. Well, this isn't your average <laughs> segment. So. Dean Ambrose comes out with a look on his face. Again, you have to watch this. With a look on his face, and I think he mouths, what's going on <laughs> at this point? But he's having a great time because hey, he doesn't give, what is this, 2017? He's definitely already stopped giving a toss a long time ago. Yes, I think so. Um, so before Dean can say anything, Lavar again gets the mic back and says, he doesn't want none of this. I'm real, I'm real with it. And then just starts running around the ring, except that the chairs and the mannequins were in the big wall of brand and kind of in the way. So he was, Marie sort of has to get out of the way to, to run around. And Dean Ambrose says, Lavar, you just keep doing your thing. He's <laughs> got his top off. He's running around without his top on. And he's just, you think, oh, he was right. Put your clothes back on. Like that. Uh, and basically, Dean Ambrose reveals that LeVar and the Ball family wanted someone to represent the big baller brand going into the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, which is coming up. Someone who's got balls, and nobody's got bigger balls than Dean Ambrose, and he likes free t-shirts. And that's the end of the segment. Dean Ambrose's music plays again, and Michael Cole comes on and says, well, that was interesting. <laughs> A joyous car wreck. Like, absolutely, the dream stuff of WWE, they're going to do this. Like, like wrestling now, I, I don't know about you, Cedric, we haven't really had a chance to speak about this. Didn't love the DraftKings logo on the corner of the ring at Revolution, but wrestling every now and then needs to get into bed with advertisers and sponsors for, you know, the sake of things. WWE are way more transgressive with their choice of, like, how to advertise, how to do a bit of co-promotion, the stuff they do for celebrities. Just bend over backwards for them. But... This is the reward for us because how often do these segments take place where it's just a transparent advert and you say, I've just been sold to here and I feel gross afterwards. This is pissful. We're rewatching this now by choice. Yeah. Like, I know more about the big baller brand than half the stuff that's ever advertised with WWE because this was such a train wreck. Two things before we get to the comments. One, the DraftKings thing, I was, it's new, it's jarring. I was like, oh, that's a bit jarring. I'm going to, and then luckily for me, Chris Jericho got dumped straight on his goddamn head. <laughs> I was like, right, great, okay. Is a guy who's watched a lot of New Japan. I know you have as well. Yeah. But it was just like, ah, oh, they should probably do this. It just makes it look like a legit sport, like UFC as yeah, well. Yeah, I was say. So I was like, you know what? It's, this works on both levels. You've used my preconceived idea of what this kind of thing looks like in a sporting context. 
So that's fine. It just makes it feel like a legitimate thing that mm. isn't beholden to its own weird rules like WWE. It's, in fact, playing by the rules of real sport. Didn't yeah. mind like, advertising boards and stuff. That's just what I associate with sport. It's ugly what it is, mm. but I was like, do it again. Do it on dynamite. Make more money. Maybe that's why this. Maybe I just wanted nicer adverts. The new Japan one, those lovely blocks around the side of the road, yeah. squared off logos and stuff. Mm. It's Absolutely. Neat, it? yeah. Absolutely. The best thing about this train wreck, and I think what makes it work so perfectly, is that you have the most synthetic, polished, rehearsed, scripted, drafted version of television that there is. And then you have the most chaotic presence <laughs> imaginable. <laughs> yeah. It's like the um you seen the horse in the hospital sketch? I think so. I forget the name of the fella who does it. But it's like the horse in the hospital. Because it was like it was his Trump analogy of like just this it was always fake, the, the idea of politics being this really sacred, principled thing. And then you get Trump. It's like, what's going to happen? <laughs> it's like the horse in the hospital. It's mm. like, this is the most controlled, synthetic, contrived, produced thing. And then the thing that, it's the one thing we didn't want to happen. Just get the ball ball in there. Well, it's the blobby on this morning. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like it's a, you get, take this most sterile thing, and then there's a big yellow alien that trips over the table as he walks in. <laughs> and it's like, oh, right, well, we... What can we like? This is so far removed from what we can do. Like, what can we do with it? It's just the two things that absolutely should not interact with each other. Interacting with each other, it's fantastic value. I just, I love the idea of someone going on the, the Sunday night after that. Jeff, you uh, coming down the pub? No, I'm staying in. I've got to find out who the representative of the big baller brand is. <laughs> so we go to the comment section. Uh, a lot of it is just, well, a lot of it is what the bloody hell's going on, and the thing that. One of the LeVar Ball's children said that I will not repeat, obviously, that everyone initially talked about around this segment mm. in neglecting the rest of the absolute carnage that we've just talked about there. But as always, these do not reflect the views myself, the Daddy Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Uh, Eraser Gun writes, Amazing how LeVar enters a whole new atmosphere in WWE and is able to cut a better promo than 95% of the roster. <laughs> uh, to be fair to DeVins, I think you probably saw this and went, that's why we've got scripted promos. <laughs> Um, but he probably really liked the zip line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Carter writes, uh, loved how he said the face of the Lakers and he didn't even last three years in LA. Yeah, apparently, I don't really know a great deal about basketball, but I think they were saying like Magic Johnson said uh, he really likes uh, likes him and wants to build the whole team around him. But apparently Magic Johnson left the LA Lakers a year later and then a year after that, so did the... the, the <laughs> Uh, Samsara says, I honestly thought they were on hallucinogens because everything about this disaster is insane. That just sums <laughs> up the general reaction around it. Uh, Nick the Stick writes, Man, I wish LeVar <laughs> <laughs> Le was a special guest fighter in Punch Out for the Wii. He would be incredible and his nickname would be Big Baller. <laughs> just because he's just windmilling constantly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd play as him as a downloadable 2K character, some DLC. <laughs> Oh, he's got his special on. Boy, you making me so bad. <laughs> I had a, I had a mate that was such a terrible loser on Street Fighter Two for the Mega Drive, and I would just be a dick. I'm not even a very competitive person. Eddie I Honda. Just, I just both know. E Honda, hundred hand slap. Get him in the corner. Can't get out of it. Try and jump. <laughs> yeah, the pads getting thrown. You're ruining the game. I don't even care. <laughs> My favorite was the. I make it always used to be the. Is it Tekken? Used to be the little. A little dragon thing and just fart, and you can get near him. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> I remember that it's like gone, I think it was called, or something. I don't know. And you could play, you could play, his, and it, it, like a special move where he'd fart, 
and he learned how to do it. And you couldn't like jump over it, you couldn't attack him. So he just would do that and let the time run out. Because he wouldn't really like damage you that way. You one. couldn't jump over it. We're going on a fart hunt. <laughs> that's uh, that's going to be on YouTube the second we finish recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite, we talk about this a lot, Sige, of people who defend, especially WWE, but it's personified here with a different thing. When people are like, you know, when you're like, AW's good, and people are like, yeah, but WWE's got loads of money. It's like, well, how does that affect me? Yeah. I want to be entertained. I don't care if they make a billion dollars or one dollar from their TV deal. Super Scott, uh, Supercar Scott writes, that guy's a joke. Big baller brand is overpriced knockoff garbage. Apparently, they're like $200 for the Triple oh, B right. t-shirts or whatever. I have no idea. And TJ writes, well... Looks like we found the small baller. Go shop at Walmart, you small baller. <laughs> <laughs> Capitalism is horrible. I just love that. Like, well, way. I guess you're not, you know, you've got the money to buy this. Small baller with Nick the Stick. <laughs> it's like, it reminds me of when um, Graham Sunis. This is the best comeback ever because Graham Sunis' criticism of Paul Pogba is very, uh, mm-hmm. very. Doesn't feel, feels off, doesn't it? Someone said, I don't even have you heard of this guy. He's a dusty baller. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I started laughing about this in the office, Sid, when you came over and went, I've got to, I've got to save this. Because everywhere, everywhere you go on the internet, like, think about all the carnage this clip encompasses, right? And there's still people who find a way to be a perv about it. Maurice is in this for on camera. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Five seconds. Probably, like, she Maybe. moves out of the way in LeVar Bell and runs around, and he, she's on shot for the Miss TV yeah. introduction and the sort of negging of Miss. And yet, once again, these do not reflect the views of myself, the Dally Boys, anyone at What Culture Wrestling. They reflect Bob Skarafsky, who, in the comments, <laughs> writes, you know what they... <laughs> writes, <laughs> you know what they call bras? <laughs> An over-the-shoulder boulder holder. Nice jugs. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just a load of emojis. And what's that after the emojis? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we're just... He's stolen one of the old NXT lines for Brogs and Jensen. Hey, do you know what they call brass? <laughs> So thanks once again uh, to <sighs> Mark Elms for that. If you want to just suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related, oh, it's on the level of the Ball family. Five-star reviews more than emails, please, because the only time we're knocked off number one is by Jim Cornette. Yeah. So let's deal with that. Like, let's, let's get back to fooling the algorithm. <laughs> we can't, can't have this. Yeah, leave us it, leave us it on iTunes. Uh, you can also leave a five-star rating on Spotify, uh, and you can also email your reviews after you've done the five-star ratings yes, if you want to. Adam.Wilborn at whatculture.com. We return to Monday Night Raw with Kevin Patrick again, <laughs> uh, chatting with Bianca Belair about her using her hair as a weapon. Um, and uh, Belair, I like this. But I did like this bit where she's like, just don't touch my hair, and then you won't have to happen to you what happened and they replay the whip and the marks and what have you and uh, Becky Lynch is legitimately hospitalised after an event uh, a thing that happened at a house show we should wish her in a well in a recovery I think she'll be fine in a couple of weeks some voice bo- she bro- destroyed a voice box or something it sounds rough um, but yes she said uh, she was going to win at Wrestlemania basically mm-hmm. but I did like the fact of Bianca Belair justifying it of like I wouldn't use my hair if you didn't try and Touch it, because I feel like that exemplifies a lot of problems. You know, it's odd how much they've actually preserved that 
in her main roster run yeah. as well. They don't go to the hair a lot unless it's to feature into something like a massive finish last year or part of the story mm-hmm. this year. So they I'm I, I'm not I don't even think they're getting away with it. I think that's been a choice. Uh, and main event time, out comes Kevin Owens, uh, who said he wants to have the biggest, most stupendous KO show in history at WrestleMania. Oh, God. Uh, and because of where it's being held, fine, I suppose his guest should be someone from the dump that is Texas. He said, look, who could I pick? I mean, there's a, people like JBL, who's a blowhard. Then again, his the bullhorns on his court car would be more interesting. I was like, fucking get in. <laughs> Uh, he talks about Booker T, says he's a hypocrite, he's a Texan who spent most of his career in a team called Harlem Heat, and then when he became a king, he spoke with a fake British accent. Um, Don't bury that on the show when one of the characters is doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then in a segment, uh, in a uh, section that I sense that both gentlemen sat with me here really enjoyed, he said, I could pick Shawn Michaels. He's, you know, Texan, he's a legend of WrestleMania, but I'm a proud Canadian. And out of respect from Bret Hart, who's an absolute legend, I'm not going to do that. But we should normalise this Bret Hart's better than Sean chat. It's been normalised. Every week's a Bret week in wrestling. Yeah, it's it's awesome. great. We had to wait a long time for this. It's great. Uh, so much better as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so Owen says he maybe will call someone out who we've not seen in a long time. Uh, for guys probably let himself go from drinking all that beer. Um, a guy who we can't even get, might even need a walker to get to the ring because he's got those knee braces and he's, you know, his, his knees are shot. Um, he's going to drop this person with a stunner and pour a glass of milk over his lifeless body. He says, the bottom line is, I'm calling you out, Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's something, you know, we've heard reported for a while, but having this actually said out loud got me very excited, Hamlet. So here's the thing, right? The Austin to WrestleMania talk was bubble stuff. I know that bubble is bigger than ever. We all talk about how this, like, they believe there's still an IWC, and there's not. People on the internet, everybody's on Twitter. But it was never WWE canon, ever. Like, we, Kevin Owens was attacking Texas, but he never specifically named Steve Austin. He was just having to go to Texas, and we could all infer it. That was part of the fun. WWE absolutely aren't at fault, right? They've not promoted a match and then have taken it away. They've just said, uh, Steve Austin's to be on the Kevin Owens show, question mark? And... It might feel like a bit of a letdown to those that were suddenly visualising the graphic and him getting the tights back on, that sort of stuff. But WWE aren't, you know, to blame for any of that on screen. And then, Corey Graves, to hype us all up for this. It's been 19 years! It's like, it was like, he was at the last Rory England, uh, Corey. Uh, uh, <laughs> what, like, have you just accidentally canonised all the bubble talk about <laughs> Steve Austin wrestling and thus, like, made this now lamer than it was going to be. Like, they've put up a graphic that says Steve Austin to appear at, on the Kevin Owens show, question mark, right? IRL, maybe that's happening because they're still desperately hoping that it'll work, those negotiations, but the reality at this point is just because they want to get him on a, yeah. on a, on a graphic so he can sell some tickets, some Austin tickets, you know? Um, again, now a compl- huge pop in the building. Oh, so, yeah. like, the fans are game enough for him being a talk show guest, I suppose. He's on Piper's Pit at WrestleMania 21. He's done that, you know, like, that was 2005, Corey. 17 years ago, it wasn't even 19. But, yeah, they've just basically... And in a little bit, to be honest, even in Owen's promo, the idea that, like, I bet he'd probably let himself go. I saw him on the network two weeks ago. He does interviews all the time. He had Ron Simmons on. Like, when he raises his arms up to speak, it's a weird thing he does. Look at them biceps. <laughs> He's not let himself go at all. Uh, it just... It was strange. that I Again, I'm kind of with you. I don't mind what it is they're selling, but I think they themselves have got confused with what exactly that is. 
because Owens, the way Owens was speaking, the way Corey Graves did the 19 years thing, it is as if uh, Austin has been hibernating on his ranch for 19 years rather than on the network all the time and on WWE television at least once a year. Strange that. Yeah, it's strange. It's just so bleak. None of this matters. That's the worst thing. Because it's not an indictment of where they are because where they are is in their most healthy financial position ever. But it's just so goddamn bleak. The main event of Monday Night Raw, your big hook on this brand at least for WrestleMania is a retired legend. Going to give someone a stunner at the end of a talk show. This is, as Hample points out, Raw Legends Night Fair, except in a stadium. At WrestleMania, it's just it's. It'll go down a storm. It'll go, it'll go down a storm. Yeah, but why? Because Texans love Texans. <laughs> like you know, I don't. I don't care about it like, at all. Do you know if the bubble speak from the beginning was Steve Austin to appear in a skit at WrestleMania, there wouldn't have been any buzz. It'd been like, oh, cool. Like he's already been in a skit for the WrestleMania. We did the promo video for it last year. Like everything's bigger in Texas, Dallas, all that. So he did the like, and there was almost a sort of implication that he'd be there anyway. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in, if, if that had been the, the chat, like uh, it looks like it's just going to be. That's how it would have been framed. Right? It looks like uh, Owens is just going to do a talk show with Austin. Like nobody would like. So now, having known all that, you've got to try and apply like this ignorance to what was maybe originally on the table. You can't. Blame WWE because they've said absolutely nothing other yeah. than a few allusions to Texas and then they're going to do a talk show. But the fact that they are hyping up a stunner at the end of a promo exchange on a stupid, frivolous talk show that's never been good is a key selling point for WrestleMania. It's an abomination. Like, yeah. Even if you didn't think there was going to be a match, if you ignored all of that, this would still... like. This would still be stupid. This would still be terrible. This would still be such a huge indictment of what they can do and or not do creatively. They're selling something that even on a WrestleMania when there was a host of injuries and they were panicked about ticket sales at uh, uh, WrestleMania 32 in 2016 and that was like feeling cursed in terms of the people looking on the card. Even that year, they are selling something that they gave as a surprise. Yes. Which was, uh, which was Austin coming out and stunning Xavier Woods as a, as a treat. You know, now... They have to promote it out of a little bit of panic of maybe what they don't have. It's like, well, you, you know that thing that you definitely know is going to happen? It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> have a graphic. It's just crap. It's weird. It's a, There's a strange energy around it. Right, it's The question mark is, I think, them hoping they can convince Steve Austin to change his mind. Yes. But is it is that me just because we know what the talk's been going on? Is it just a reality because they're not going to have Austin appear on Raw and they're not going to have him confirm that he's going to be the guest? You know, is, is that why they've put the question mark? Is because why in character would Steve Austin rise to this bait? Mm. You know, is that is that the real reason? There's, there's no real like thing to give a toss about the Steve Austin character anymore. He's they wouldn't. Austin, Kevin Owens is wearing a stupid hat and saying Texas is bad. Like Steve Austin knows this is terrible. He just either wants a decent amount of money or loads of it, and it looks like he's settling on decent. And I'm completely ambivalent towards it. They can't really have him work... They, they might, I guess, if he's free and wants to, but they can't really have him work a raw under these circumstances, can they? It behooves them to save the visual of him... Like, if he's anywhere near a raw, he's battering Owens and it's done. So he kind of has to not be on the show that they want to build him towards. And you got 316 day in a few days. Oh, yeah. In a week or so. Congratulations, Kevin Owens. You are, what, Carlito in 2005. That's your job now. <laughs> that is exactly what happened to Carlito in 2005. So I like how like me and Cedric have said all this. 
and it's all just to tee up your Byron Saxton. Hell yeah! Like, excitement board. I'm t- I'm still excited. I'm still excited. I don't care if he just comes down, see him every year. stunners him, <laughs> and and the glass shatters. But yeah. it's WrestleMania, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. I'm done altogether with WWE nostalgia. <laughs> How could he not be? What's the... Sorry, Bobo. It's fine. <laughs> it's the... I, I keep thinking of the Seth stuff. Like, what what have they got for Seth at this point? And if there's no Cody and there's no match, does he also get stunned? <laughs> is that is the, to get folded together? It's like, hey, you got one stunner with Gunnery Gold. We got two. The visionary of Drip's getting one. The visionary of Drip. Can get hit with the super kick and the lariat and the, <laughs> the bookend. Yeah. The visionary of Drip sounds less preposterous than Mountain of Omnipotence, and one of them's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let us know your thoughts uh, on uh, the future for, for WrestleMania with, with Austin and Owens and what have you. Uh, and uh, and everything that happened on Monday Night on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, what I say, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back to preview NXT Super Road Roadblock later on today uh, and if you're uh, there on iTunes you can leave us a five star review just like Mark Elms did to suggest something short crap and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god awful segment on Monday Night Raw but for now this has been the Raw Review my thanks to the Dadly Boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.